We have a vision statement. We've been looking at that the past uh, couple weeks. But we also have this thing that's a little bit unique at our church called our confidence statement. And it was, um, it, it, it came about because um, we believe that it was important to not just state a vision, but also to admit up front that this is an impossible vision unless the Lord does it. And the reason why we added that confidence statement, to be honest with you, was because when we came up with all of this, I was in a season of life um, in, in which I was, I was really weak. Uh, weak is probably not strong enough. I was, I was scared. I was helpless. Many of you know my story uh, because I've spoken publicly about it. I've written publicly about it, but perhaps you haven't. Seven years ago at this very time, honestly, um, months away from being called as senior minister here, I entered into something that I had never experienced before. Not a difficult season, but a helpless season. I was here with zero experience, about to be called as senior pastor of a larger, established, steeped in deeply held traditions, PCA congregation full of congregants that were really smart and smarter than me and great leaders and more leadership experience than me, older than me, and to make matters more intimidating, the pastor that I was following is this strong, gifted, alpha male leader who had more experience as a pastor than I had life on the planet. That was my situation. Many of you don't know uh, John Sartell anymore, which is crazy to me. Uh, you will get to know him, uh, especially after Jan is passing. He's going to spend a lot more time in Lexington, so he'll get to be here and he'll get to preach and you'll get to know him some more. But if you don't know him, just imagine unflinching strength with the voice of God and you've got him. The story I like to tell for people to understand the mystique that is John Sartell and what I was following um, is a story that took place shortly after I was hired as his assistant. Abby got her, head, her uh, heart set on uh, buying a dog, and the dog that she wanted was this uh, tiny little uh, fluffy thing, and uh, um, the opposite of, of, you know, like a man's dog. It was just this little lap dog. That's the word I was looking for, lap dog, little, little, little lap dog. And... Um, and Abby's obsessed with this dog. Her name is Bailey. We named the dog Bailey. And Abby's obsessed with Bailey. And it was, we were in that phase before kids where we wanted to take Bailey everywhere we went. And so we brought the dog, Bailey, to people's homes and all that stuff. And anyway, I'm newly hired at the church. Sartell wants to have me over. Abby um, wants to bring Bailey to the Sartell house. And, uh, and to bring Bailey to play with uh, John's dog, Jack. Now, Jack, um, you need to know, fits John Sartell. Uh, Jack is uh, a purebred champion hunting dog that Jack is obsessed with. Okay, so you get the picture here. So here we are. We show up at Sartell's house. Abby, uh, Abby's taking the food up to, uh, she's got the food that she's bringing, so she hands me Bailey to take up to the door. And so here we are, newly hired, John Sartell, Ring the doorbell, he opens the door, looks at me, looks at Bailey, direct quote, what's that? <laughs> so that's, you know, it's our new dog, Bailey. John said, well, let's, let's take her out back so she can meet Jack. 
So we take Bailey out back and, you know, she's just this little tiny thing, barely taller than the grass. And, um, and I kid you not, I'm not making this story up. Jack runs out in the backyard, runs up to Bailey, lifts his leg and pees on my dog. <laughs> the most emasculating thing has ever happened to me. And Sartell, again, not making it up, direct quote, Sartell, boy, Jack. That's the persona I followed. I'm 31, no experience, TCPC's months away from calling me to be their next senior pastor following John Sartell. And friends, I collapsed. You can call it a nervous breakdown, you can call it a mental break, you can call it what they call it in the medical community now, I think is acute stress disorder. Call it whatever you want. All I know is that I came to the end of myself and I entered into a season of complete and utter helplessness. This was strange for me. I'd never experienced anything like this, to reach the limits of my abilities, to not be able to fix things with my gifts and personality, to realize my personal sufficiency was actually insufficient, to, to vulnerably, vulnerably stare into the abyss of feebleness it was terrifying. Some of you have been there before. Some of you may be there right now. But it was because of that bitter, providential, humbling season of God that when I was called as pastor, I took this call with fear and trembling as it should be taken. And so in our first year, when we crafted a vision for our church, it was very important to me that we added something to it that we aren't just casting dreams without confessing needs. And so we came up with this. Our confidence, which is the irony, is that our confidence is we can't do this. Our confidence statement here that everything we do, all with prayerful dependence upon God's spirit. I meant that then when I was in the throes of desperation, and I mean that now when I feel relatively healthy and good. Everything with prayerful dependence upon God's spirit. Our passage this morning is literally that confidence statement worded slightly differently. You can't, it's, it's almost like it's directly from Romans 8, 25, 26, and 27. So here's what we're gonna look at. Three, three things, the author of our help, the manner of our help, the certainty of our help. Author. Who is the author of our help? Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And what this means is that God has not left us alone to travel this road of weakness. He has given us His Holy Spirit to sustain us along the way. This is the essence of the Holy Spirit's ministry. We've been talking about this in John 14 and John 16. Jesus describes the Spirit as our helper. That is the role of the third person of the Trinity from beginning when he regenerates us all the way to the end when he glorifies us and every single moment and step along the way in between. He is in us, with us, 
abiding with us as our sovereign, omnipotent help. Now, the implication of that there is a member of the Trinity whose exclusive role is devoted to helping us is that apparently God thinks we need help. And we do. You may not think you need it, but apparently God does. An entire role of a person of the Trinity is devoted to this. Meaning weakness, brothers and sisters, is assumed. It's okay to be weak. Actually, you are weak, so you might as well just own it. You may feel strong. You may be able to convince others that you are strong. But listen, whether you know it or not, it's all a facade. And you are just one tragic circumstance away from realizing it. The feeling that we have when desperate circumstances besiege us, when we get taken over by those moments of life where we know not what to do, that feeling we have is actually our truest estate. That's our truest self. But the point here is that that's okay. God knows it. God understands it. And God has given you a helper, the Holy Spirit. But his help might not come in the form that you are looking for. If, if you want him to change your circumstances, to fix your problems, to make life easier, to get you back to where you feel strong again, then he will disappoint you. I say that because some of you may hear the promise of the Spirit as our helper and say, well, I don't feel like he's helping. Maybe you even right now in this moment say, that's the last thing it feels like. Well, let's look now at the manner of his help. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. He's saying that we have been given the Spirit, and now he's telling us why. Because we don't know how to pray as we ought. The desperation runs so deep that we don't even know what to ask for. You want to know how desperate you are? You don't even know what to ask for. Have you ever been there? Have you ever, have you ever been where you realize that? I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know how to pray. That moment, that Jehoshaphat face that we like to quote around here a lot. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I just don't, I, I don't even know what to say. Paul thinks that we live in that more than we realize. Paul thinks that we are so deceived by our false sense of strength that we think we know what's best, but like a child genuinely thinks that they know what's best and yet they have no clue what's best, in reality, though we genuinely think we know what's best, we don't even know how to pray, is what he's saying. Now, you want to talk about total and utter des desperation and dependency. It's not just that we can't help ourselves. It's that we don't even know how to ask for help. But our merciful God has an answer. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Notice first what he does not do. He does not fix our weakness he leaves us in that posture. 
He does not fix our circumstances. We are left in the struggle. He does not give us clarity so that we can at least understand what's going on. We are left in ignorance. Instead, he prays. He prays for you. The manner of the Holy Spirit's help is prayer. I love the way Paul describes the Spirit's prayers here. You know, it says, it says, he groans. This is the third groaning in Romans 8, if you're familiar with the chapter. Paul has already said that the creation is groaning underneath the fall. And he says, not only creation, but we ourselves groan under this cursed fall. And now, God groans. God is groaning. groaning. The Spirit joins with the chorus of creation's groaning. His intercessions are not distant, proper, detached, unsympathetic prayers. They are intimate, desperate, authentic groanings on our behalf. In the same way that the, that the Son entered into the mess himself, instead of saving us from a distance, he entered in to experience it for himself. So does the Spirit help, not from a distance, but by entering into the struggle, identifying with the weakness, and groaning with us and for us. That's amazing. There is nothing more comforting than someone who knows what it's like, can sympathize with you, and is praying with you and for you as one who knows what it's like. I'm a pastor. I often pray with the hurting. Will often prays with the hurting. But so often as we pray, we can't relate to their hurt. But if you've been through something, you know there's nothing like someone who's also been through that and says, I know what it's like. Let me pray with you. There's a sympathizing here that we're talking about. Well, that's what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is doing. He prays with us as one who is in us and is groaning with us as he prays for us. And his prayer is a prayer in a way that goes beyond our capabilities It says, with groanings too deep for words. Our speech is limited. Our minds are finite. Our needs go far beyond our ability to articulate them. But the Spirit is praying for us in a way we could never pray, with divine language too deep for human language. The Spirit speaks a language that we cannot speak, a language that goes beyond our words, the language of the Trinity. And He is taking your groanings and He is groaning to God in the language of God. The Spirit is helping us by praying for us beyond any way that we can pray for ourselves is the point. Now you might be tempted to say, then where are the answer to the prayers? It doesn't appear that his prayers are being answered or that the Spirit's prayer life is very effectual, well, I suppose that depends upon perspective. From your, from my finite, limited point of view, this may be true, but from the view of the omniscient who is infinite in wisdom, this ministry of the Holy Spirit is perfectly effectual. Let's 
finally move on to the certainty of our help. Verse 27. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Let me tell you up front that what we are about to talk about, we are entering into um, Holy Trinity mystery, okay? And none of us can possibly fully comprehend, but let me explain what this verse is saying, okay? God searches the heart. He says, he who searches the heart, this is, this is what God does, God searches the heart. You have searched me and you know me, the psalmist says. You are known by God more intimately than you can ever imagine. He's familiar with your heart's longings and desires and intentions and groanings. He knows every single part of you because he searches the hearts of men. But do you know what else he finds as he searches the hearts of his people? What this is saying is he finds his own heart. His longings, his desires, his intentions, his groanings. Again, we're standing here on mysterious ground. But what the text is saying is that God searches the hearts of his people in order to discern his own will for his people. That's what it's saying. He who searches our hearts knows or discovers in our hearts what is the mind or the will of the Spirit. So the picture we are given here is that God the Father sends God the Spirit to dwell in the hearts of his people who then prays for his people back to the Father. So in a sense, God is in us praying for us so that he can then answer his own prayers for us. That's how fully enveloped you are in the care of the Trinity. Now, I'm not pretending to comprehend how this all works, but all I know is that I want it to work this way. I want God praying for me. Do you really want the Lord's will to be contingent upon your finite wisdom and understanding? Would you not rather have God handle it all? You see, this intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit, that is the ground for the surety of our help because if this is true, then literally we cannot fail. It says the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Not according to your will, His will. Not your desires, His desires. So here is your confidence. Here is your confidence, brothers and sisters in the Lord. At all times, you are being perfectly prayed for and God is perfectly answering those prayers. You cannot escape. His good and perfect will. And it is this promise that is the foundation of the next verse that everyone loves to quote. Everyone loves Romans 8, 28, right? For we know that God works all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We love that promise. But how could that possibly be true? Because the verse before. The reason God can work all things for our good is because God is in us perfectly praying, perfectly answering those prayers, directing all things for our good. So in this way, you cannot be robbed of God's will. Now listen, I know that all of what I just said there raises uh, theological questions for you. Please, I'm just gonna ask you to set those aside. Do not Presbyterian this verse to death, okay? You don't have to have it figured out. Just rest in the security of the help. 
just rest in the promise. God is at all times interceding on our behalf and answering those intercessions with his good and glorious purposes. So just rest in the perfect promise and then let me close with an application to the promise. Here's the application. Pray. Now perhaps you would be thinking, if all that you've said is true, why should I even pray? And I say to you, because this is true, you should pray. Let me explain. The discipline of prayer in our consumeristic age has been, um, has been abused by consumerism, grossly manipulated and aligned with our uh, consumeristic age. Here's essentially prayer today. Dear God, here are my requests. Here are my needs. Here are the ways I want my circumstances to change. In Jesus' name, amen. If you, if you view prayer that way exclusively as a means to get what you want from God, as a way to bend the will of God to your will, then you will not understand how prayer is the application of this promise. But if you view prayer the way Scripture views prayer, as a communing with God, as a stillness and silence before God, as a God-ordained means of intimacy with God, as becoming more aligned with His will rather than aligning His will to yours. That's what's happening in prayer. You're not aligning Him to you. He's aligning you to Him. As learning the language of God's heart, as internalizing the truths of God that are found in the Scriptures and praying that truth back to God through prayer saturated and directed by Scripture, if you view prayer that way, then this promise will necessarily lead to a praying life. If you believe that right now the Holy Spirit indwells you and is alive and active interceding on your behalf and that prayer is the means for you to actually enter into that conversation to learn and conform yourself to that conversation, if that's prayer, then my, let's get alone, turn our cell phones off and commune with our Lord by His Spirit. Now don't hear what I'm not saying that you shouldn't ask, and that prayer is only listening, only silence before the Lord. It is a huge part that we do neglect. That is a huge part that we do neglect. But yes, praying is also, as Paul says, present your request to God. But even that part of prayer, even supplication, even that part of prayer is dependent upon the Spirit's help because the Holy Spirit takes my feeble requests my finite wisdom and presents them with perfection to the Heavenly Father. You know when a child, our uh, youngest is in this phase right now, you know a child's learning to talk and you try to engage them and what comes out of their mouth just sounds like a bunch of gibberish nonsense. You, you can tell they're talking, they're, they're wanting to say something, but you can't, you don't have a clue what they're saying. What do you do every time when a child is talking to you but you don't understand? What do you do? You turn to the mom, don't you? And the mom always says, this is what he's trying to say. This happened to me in the first service. Uh, I was doing, you know, I was praying for one of the children. Um, 
you know, we do during the communion prayer, and I prayed for the child, and she looked at me, and she goes, Daddy. I said, I'm not your daddy. And she said, no, he said, she, she said, thank you. And I said, oh, okay, you're welcome. The mother knows the child so intimately that she knows what the child is trying to communicate, even if it's just gibberish, indiscernible communication. In fact, even, the child, even if the child isn't talking, the parent knows what the child is thinking or what the child is needing and can communicate that. This is the picture. We groan. We groan with the language of the finite, with words feeble and ignorant but the Spirit speaks the language of the infinite. He is our interpreter to God, which means pray with childlike abandon. Just, just pour yourself out to God. Just, you, it's not dependent on eloquence. It's not dependent on precise theology or an accurate perception of God's will. Just pour your heart out to God like a child and don't worry about it because the Spirit who really does care and consider your desires and knows your heart will take what you say and present it perfectly to God who loves to answer the Spirit's prayers. So the promise, the Spirit is at all times praying for us. The application, pray a lot. Or, as we say in our confidence statement, let's just do everything here with prayerful dependence upon God's Spirit. Let me close here. I vividly remember being back in that dark season of helplessness, anxiously wrestling with whether I'm supposed to take this calling or not, whether I could do this. And, and these are the questions that I, that I just couldn't get out of my head. Have I prayed enough? Have I prayed rightly? Am I ready? What does it even mean to be ready? I came to the end of myself and I essentially just confessed, I don't even know what or how to pray about this. And honestly, God, I don't even know how to hear your answer. I just don't know. And then one passage came to mind. And I would say that it, it's the very passage that convinced me to, yes, take the calling here at TCPC. And it's this, Romans 8, 26 through 27. I was working my way through memorizing Romans 8 at the time. And it was these two verses landed on me and the reason I'm preaching it was just clear as day the spirit helps you Robert in your weakness you don't know what to pray for as you ought but the spirit right now in this very moment which feels so helpless to you but is completely under control by the spirit the spirit himself is interceding for you with groanings that you couldn't even understand too deep for words and he your god who searches the heart knows and hears these prayers of the spirit because the spirit is interceding for you according to his good and perfect will now i'm presbyterian which means it's hard for god to talk to me but it was one of those clearest moments in my life where i heard god loud and clear say would you settle down? It's okay. I've got this. The Spirit has this. I'm not surprised by any of this. I know what I'm doing. Just move forward with the assurance that I am with you, I've got you, and that I'm praying for you. That God is praying for you. And I say the same to us, brothers and sisters. We have a lot before us. I just told you in the Sunday school class, we've talked about building a network. We need to increase our budget a million dollars, increase our attendance 200 people this year. We have a lot before us, but it's okay. God's got this. 
The Spirit is with us. Go forth in the surety of his help and go pray a lot. Let's do that now. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, and ask that thy will be done. We are free to just pour our hearts out to you like children, knowing that the Spirit is with us, making sense of it, doing exactly what is right and true. Jesus, you yourself said it is better that you would leave so that the Helper could come. And this table now is a representation of that. And this table right here is an act of your Spirit, that you promise by your Holy Spirit that you will commune with us. Somehow, mysteriously, you will take this and you will feed us. So, Spirit, do your work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.